A loving Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us this privilege of life. We are so grateful, Lord. We understand that it is not because of our righteousness or our goodness, but because of your great love and mercy which has been displayed upon us. We are so unworthy of life and we realize this and because of that, Lord, we understand that you love us. We want to give our lives over to you. We want to live in faithfulness and loyalty and fidelity to you. And now as we fellowship with you, please give us that strength and grace. There is no good thing in us. We are weak. We cannot stand of our own. And as we come nearer to the end of time, we see temptations around us. The hour of temptation is getting deeper and deeper. And we need you more than ever before. So dear Lord, grant to us of your spirit. Grant to us strength as we go through these words of our devotion. I consecrate myself to you, Lord. I bring myself to you and I ask, Lord, please sanctify my words put your words in my lips and grant me of your spirit that everything spoken shall edify bless and strengthen all of us in preparation for your coming do this and take the glory in jesus name i've prayed amen conflict and courage august 17 white like snow for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 in the vision that came to Isaiah in the temple court, he was given a clear view of the character of the God of Israel, the High and Lofty One that inhabited eternity, whose name is Holy, had appeared before him in great majesty. Yet the prophet was made to understand the compassionate nature of his Lord. In beholding his God, the prophet had not only been given a view of his own unworthiness, there had come to his humbled heart the assurance of forgiveness, full and free. And he had arisen a changed man. He had seen his Lord. He had caught a glimpse of the loveliness of the divine character. He could testify of the transformation wrought through beholding infinite love. Henceforth, he was inspired with loving desire to see erring Israel set free from the burden and penalty of sin. Why should you be stricken anymore? The prophet inquired. Come now and let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The God whom they had been claiming to serve, but whose character they had misunderstood, was set before them as the great healer of spiritual disease. The heart of infinite love yearns after those who feel powerless to free themselves from the snares of Satan, and he graciously offers to strengthen them to live for him. Fear thou not, he bids them. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee 
Yeah, I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Have you, reader, chosen your own way? Have you wandered far from it, far from God? Have you sought to feast upon the fruits of transgression, only to find them turn to ashes upon your lips? Return to your father's house. He invites you, saying, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is White Like Snow. To be as white as snow is the desire of all true children of God. It is my hope, and I know it is our hope, and it's our dream. I call it the impossible dream made possible. We look forward to this blessed hope promised by God. And our dream is not a false dream. It is a possibility and it is achievable. It is that dream to reflect the image of Jesus fully. We all long to have ourselves free from sin and holy before God. Some people doubt it. They think it is not possible. But when we look at the ministry of Isaiah and the promises made by the Lord through him, we know that it is possible. This work, nevertheless, is a work of a lifetime. How can we achieve it and how can we be instruments by which others may achieve it? That is the question. Two days ago, we already showed us how and that is by beholding Christ. That is how it can be achieved. Now, as we look deeper into the ministry of Isaiah, after the living coal had touched his lips and purified him, we see what we ought to be when we are ministers for the Lord. Isaiah, as he beheld Christ in the sanctuary, saw not only his awful majesty, but as we read in our devotion, the prophet was made to understand the compassionate nature of his Lord. So, while he was potent in ministry and crying aloud and sparing not and showing the people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins, yet he was presenting to them a compassionate savior. He presented to them a savior who would cleanse them from their sins, one who was willing and ready to bring to them salvation. And as he said in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, reading from verse 16, he spoke to them saying, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, love to do well. The words of Isaiah shows us the desire of God to help us to achieve this perfection. The language of his soul showed how much God longs for us to be free from sin and that's why he pleaded Isaiah chapter 1 reading from verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. How can we be compassionate like our Lord? You know, yesterday, as we were going through the devotion, we realized that if we have this life coal touch our lips, we will speak in a sanctified way. We will speak in a sanctified way to assist and bless those who listen to us. We will have a potent ministry, not one that is cold, dead, and formal, but one that is living, fervent in prayer, active in the 
work of helping others to come out of their sins and we will also be purified from our sins now that isaiah had had this experience if we have had the experience we will now be co-laborers with god presenting to them not the savior who only cries woe but also the compassionate part of our lord but if we have not understood why the lord is compassionate we cannot be like him and present to the people a savior that wants to cleanse them from their sins how can we make ourselves instruments by which we can do this it is the same way isaiah learned we ourselves need to behold christ in the sanctuary we need a living coal on our lips and then we can be instruments like isaiah to help others to behold christ isaiah saw that he was a sinner like his brethren in judah and with this knowledge of christ being compassionate his ministry took a different turn his former denunciations against the people will now be tempered with kindness and love which was different from before he was he will still speak plainly he will not palliate the truth or dilute it but he will have a consideration for man knowing that all we are brethren weak and frail in need of help this is what we also must understand we must acknowledge the weakness of humanity and the sinfulness of our nature when reproving and correcting others and also we must acknowledge the compassionate nature of our lord we may very well be in the same scene which we condemn in others had we been in places or under similar conditions and circumstances like themselves this is why we are told in the book of galatians 6 from verse 1 to 3 brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault ye which are spiritual restore such an one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ for if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing he deceiveth himself the mouth that has been touched with the living coal will bear one another's burden and will understand man's weakness you see jesus sympathizes with human weakness and we are to do the same isaiah understood something of the compassion of christ and his ministry started to present that other part of our lord that shows how much he yearns to save the sinner not that he wants to condemn and kill and destroy no but isaiah started to present the compassionate savior in words like these he said in the book of isaiah chapter 41 reading from verse 10 fear thou not for i am with thee be not dismayed for i am thy god i will strengthen thee yea i will help thee yea i will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness behold all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded they shall be as nothing they that strive with thee shall perish and in verse 13 he says for i the lord thy god will hold thy right hand saying unto thee fear not i will help thee fear not thou worm jacob and ye men of israel i will help thee saith the lord and thy redeemer the holy one of israel so what is he redeeming them from from oppression no from sin the lord is speaking to your sin sick soul and mine saying i have not come to condemn you just like jesus spoke to that woman who was brought to him in adultery and, and he asked her where are your accusers has none of them condemned thee and she said no lord and the lord said to her neither do i go and sin no more 
this is supposed to be the language of our soul and that is what Isaiah started to present to the people to tell them of the compassionate redeemer who wants to help he doesn't just want to condemn he wants to say come let us talk let us reason together let us talk about this thing and this is what we must understand about our Lord and if we do not sympathize with Christ if we don't understand this our ministry will be whoa 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 we will not present that part of God that wants to help reading from ministry of healing page 163 paragraph 2 we are told how little do we enter into sympathy with Christ on that which should be the strongest bond of union between us and him compassion for depraved guilty suffering souls dead in trespasses and sins the inhumanity of man towards man is our greatest sin do you get that i take it again the inhumanity of man towards man is our greatest sin many think that they are representing the justice of god while they wholly fail of representing his tenderness and his great love Often, the ones whom they meet with sternness and severity are under the stress of temptation. Satan is wrestling with these souls and harsh, unsympathetic words discourage them and cause them to fall a prey to the tempter's power. End of quote. So we may ask, why was Christ so compassionate towards erring sinners? He understood something which we all must also understand. If we must be of help to the sin-sick soul, he knew that sin was not necessarily done by those who were doing it because they loved it and desired it. He knew of the struggle with the flesh and the spirit. He knew that even the worst of sinners were not wholly given up to evil. He knew that forces over and beyond that which man can control was behind the actions of the wicked. He knew that there were other things in the play that caused man's weakness. Do you remember, some of us don't know the story, but if you know the story of the people called Bonnie and Clyde. These people in the 1930s were presented as the worst kind of criminals that ever existed. And when it was that they were caught, not they were not caught actually, they were battered with bullets over a hundred for each of them killed when uh, Bonnie was presented as that smoking gun lady who shoots people and who was ready to kill just for pleasure there was a time when they kidnapped someone they were criminals of course but they gave the man clothing they gave him money and then they told him to go his way and after that they told she sent a message to him tell them I don't smoke I'm not that kind of person. Why am I bringing this up? Sometimes when we look at wicked people, sinners, we may in our, in our own mind say these people are beyond repair. But that's not how the Lord sees it. And we must see things the way the Lord sees it. Sympathy for those who err. What is it that the Lord knows that we do not know? I'll read it for us. This is from Second Testimonies, page 74. It says, we are not all organized alike and many have not been educated aright their education has been deficient some have had a quick temper transmitted to them and their education in childhood has not taught them self-control with this fiery temper envy and jealousy are frequently united others are faulty in other respects some are dishonest in deal overreaching in trade 
Others are arbitrary in their families loving to rule. Their lives are far from being correct. Their education was all wrong. They were not told the sin of yielding to the control of these evil traits. Therefore, sin does not appear to them so exceedingly sinful. Others whose education has not been so faulty, who have had better training, have developed a much less objectionable character. The Christian life of all is very much affected for good or for evil by their previous education. Jesus our advocate is acquainted with all the circumstances with which we are surrounded and deals with us according to the light we have had and the circumstances in which we are placed. Some have a much better organization than others. Did you get that? Some have a much better organization than others. While some are continually harassed, afflicted and in trouble because of their unhappy traits of character, having to war with internal foes and the corruption of their nature, others have not half so much to battle against. They pass along almost free from the difficulties which their brethren and sisters, who are not so favorably organized, are laboring under." End of quote. You see, brothers and sisters, we must come to terms with the fact that in the battle against sin, some have it easier than others. Those who have been privileged to have better constitutions are to understand that it is not by their own strength that they have it. The book of 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 makes this clear to us. It says, Who made you superior to others? Didn't God give you everything you have? Well then, how can you boast as if what you have were not a gift? Another version says, For who made you better than your brother? Or what have you that has not been given to you? But if it has been given to you, what cause have you for pride, as if it had not been given to you? In other words, this passage is saying, Why are you looking down on others who are greater sinners than yourselves because you are not struggling like them? Why do you despise the sinner when you only have it better just because of the grace of God? When we understand this, we should allow this knowledge should make us, should, to make us pity the sinner and not look down on them disrespectfully and in contempt. We need not strike the sin-sick soul. We need to deal kindly with man when seeking to relieve the sin-sick soul. Afflicting with words alone will not be the solution and that's why Isaiah said, Isaiah 1 verse 5 and 6, why should you be stricken anymore? You will only revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. What then can we do to help? We can speak like our Savior and say, I will help thee, not just to preach alone, but to realize from cause to effect what is it that has made this sister like this or this brother like this and try to show some love and help. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 now says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What is this reasoning being referred to? It is this reasoning with the sinner that will make the sin that is red as crimson to be as wool. The reasoning being referred to here is not that which cries woe, woe, woe to the sinner. 
It is the reasoning of love that draws the sinner away from their sins. It is not merely proving from the word of God, putting precept upon precept, showing that evil is evil and good is good, that will bring about the cleansing of the soul. While this has its place and it is good, it cannot alone bring about that transformation that is needed by the sin sick soul and my emphasis is alone. It is necessary to show by precept upon precept, but that is not all that is needed. We are to understand the nature of people, know why is it that they do what they do. And when you understand people, you will not be so quick to condemn. You see that thief, you see that adulterer, like Bonnie and Clyde I mentioned earlier, do you know what made them become what they became? Killing people all over? A woman and a man with other people, Jones, many other people around them, Buck and Barrow, all of them killing. There was something that was the cause. It is not good to just deal with people's sins without understanding the cause of it. There are many who look out there as terrible sinners, but when you hear their story as to how they became what they are now, you will not be so quick to censure anymore. And this is what we need to understand. Ministry of Healing, page 168, paragraph 1 and downward says to us, we should strive to understand the weakness of others. We know little of the heart trials of those who have been bound in chains of darkness and who lack resolution and moral power. Most pitiable is the condition of him who is suffering under remorse. He is as one stunned, staggering, sinking into the dust. He can see nothing clearly. The mind is beclouded. He knows not what steps to take. Many a poor soul is misunderstood, unappreciated, full of distress and agony, a lost, strange sheep. He cannot find God, yet he has an intense longing for pardon and peace. Oh, let no word be spoken to cause deeper pain to the soul weary of a life of sin, but knowing not where to find relief. Present the compassionate Savior. Take him by the hand, lift him up. Speak to him words of courage and hope. Help him to grasp the hand of the Savior. We become too easily discouraged over the souls who do not at once respond to our efforts. Never should we cease to labor for a soul while there is one gleam of hope. Precious souls cost our self-sacrificing Redeemer too dear a price to be lightly given up to the tempter's power. We need to put ourselves in the place of the tempted ones. Consider the power of heredity, the influence of evil associations and surroundings, the power of wrong habits. Can we wonder that under such influences many become degraded? Can we wonder that they should be slow to respond to efforts for their uplifting?" End of quote. Now, having understood what I have just read, how are we to relate with those that err? Certainly, not by reiterating precepts. They know already that they are in sin. So telling them over and over is not what will help them. Of course, those who don't know, you can explain to them. They know, like I've said, some of them know already. Explaining that sin is sin may not help. But what is it that will help? Love alone. Love shown by understanding for human weakness, sympathy for the sinner, and a kindness that gives dignity to even the most prodigal person. That can reach the heart and make it as white as snow. When the sinner beholds this love, he may be able to say, like John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. 
there are many people out there who when you show them some love not by coming to criticize and condemn but by showing that you understand that you are not trying to just tell them oh you wicked person but there is a cause to why you are doing what you are doing then they will feel loved and know that you are not just condemning them ministry of healing page 163 paragraph 3 and downward says it is a delicate matter to deal with minds only he who reads the heart knows how to bring men to repentance only his wisdom can give us success in reaching the lost you may stand up stiffly feeling i am holier than thou and it matters not how correct your reasoning or how true your words they will never touch hearts the love of christ manifested in word and act will win its way to the soul when the reiteration of precept or argument would accomplish nothing we need more of christ like sympathy not merely sympathy for those who appear to us to be faultless but sympathy for poor suffering struggling souls who are often overtaken in a fault sinning and repenting tempted and discouraged we are to go to our fellow men touched like our merciful high priest with the feeling of their infirmities end of quote how should we speak to such people if our mouths are sanctified we must speak in love page 166 of the same book is saying in paragraph 3 it is always humiliating to have one's errors pointed out none should make the experience more bitter by needless censure no one was ever reclaimed by reproach but many have thus been repelled and have been led to steel their hearts against conviction. A tender spirit, a gentle winning deportment may save the erring and hide a multitude of sins. Amen. I take that last part again. What is it that will help? A tender spirit, a gentle winning deportment may save the erring and hide a multitude of sins. What are we to expect among those who are people of God? Many may expect perfection, and they are right to do that, since we claim the name of Christ. But we must understand that we are all growing, and sometimes we err, not just once or twice. Some are struggling with addictions, and yet they want to be children of God. They are struggling with the sin that ought so easily beset and are striving to overcome. Many years have gone by, and they haven't still gotten the victory. Do not think that they are not children of God on this account. Do not look down on them because of their weaknesses. Have you wondered how God worked with men like Samson, Gideon, and Jephthah? These men struggled with sin if you read their lives, and the Lord was using them as best as he could, and to the extent that he could. It is true that sin limits the extent to which the Lord may use us, but he does use them nevertheless and sees in them potentials. This is how we are to see our fellow men. This does not mean by any means that just anyone for this reason can take up the work of the ministry and do great works for God, no. While living in sin, no, no. But it means that we can also manifest patience for our brethren like God manifests for us. Page 167 of Ministry of Healing says, Paul wrote to these brethren as saints in Christ Jesus. And if you look at the people in Corinthians that Paul wrote to, they were laden in iniquity, some of them. But he was not writing to those who were perfect in character. He wrote to them as men and women who were striving. You hear that? Striving against temptation and who were in danger of falling. He pointed them to the God of peace, 
that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, he assured them that through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he will make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. That is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. When one at fault becomes conscious of his error, be careful not to destroy his self-respect. Do not discourage him by indifference or distrust. Do not say, before giving him my confidence, I will wait to see whether he will hold out. Often, this very distrust causes the tempted one to stumble. End of quote. So, like Isaiah, when we have beheld the glory of the Lord and beheld Christ, while we cry woe, we will come into sympathy with the sinner and understand that we are not all we are not all constituted alike we have different organizations some have it harder than others and we will sympathize when we hear people's stories some people were molested from when they were children now they're adults molesting others some were abused now they're adults abusing others there is a cause you don't see the sinner just committing sin because he wants to commit it there are some of course who are just wicked but there are many who are where they are now because of circumstances beyond their control. Do you hear that? I mean completely beyond their control. Sinning and repenting, having habits of sin. Some children have been given the cigarette from the age of three. Others have been given the gun from a very young age. Others were molested, involved in such things at a time when they could do absolutely nothing about it. Now you see them, they are doing the evil, but you don't know their story. And that's why we must sympathize like Christ and present him to them, saying to them, I, even I am he that blotted out thy transgressions and taketh away thy sins. Just like Isaiah said in the book of Isaiah 43 verse 25. Look at the words of the Lord in verse 26. He says, Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. The first father had sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore, I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary and have given Jacob to the curse. The Lord is saying to us in Isaiah 44, reading from verse 1, he says, Yet now, hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen, thus saith the Lord that, that maketh thee, that formed thee from the womb. You are that Jacob now. The Lord formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, and you can put your name there, my servant, and thou, Jeshuron, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God verse 8 he says fear ye not neither be afraid have not i told thee from that time and have declared it you are even my witnesses is there a god beside me yeah there is no god i know not any amen these are the words of god not to someone that is righteous and good but to sinners the lord is assuring us 
I will save you. Come, let us reason together. I have told you your sins. I have cried aloud. I have said, Whoa. But it is because I want you to become aware of your need so that you can come to Christ. So, like Isaiah, when we present woe and tell people this is the sin, we must present a compassionate Savior to them too, telling them of one who wants to help them. Let us know what to expect from people too. Sins have taken over some people in such a manner that we should be wise to lay upon them no greater burden than that which, than that which they can bear. Reading from Ministry of Healing, page 169, paragraph 1, we are told, Some will be found whose minds have been so long debased that they will never in this life become what under more favorable circumstances they might have been. But the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness may shine into, into the soul. It is their privilege to have the life that measures with the life of God. Plant in their minds uplifting and nobling thoughts. Let your life make plain to them the difference between vice and purity, darkness and light. In your example, let them read what it means to be a Christian. Christ is able to uplift the most sinful and place them where they will be acknowledged as children of God, joint heirs with Christ to the immortal inheritance, and I add that they shall be white as snow. Continuing, it says, By the miracle of divine grace, many may be fitted for lives of usefulness. Despised and forsaken, they have become utterly discouraged. They may appear stoical and stolid. But under the ministration of the Holy Spirit, the stupidity that makes their uplifting appear so hopeless will pass away. Amen. The dull, clouded mind will awake. The slave of sin will be set free. Vice will disappear and ignorance will be overcome. Through the faith that works by love, the heart will be purified and the mind enlightened. Amen, I say. End of quote. This is what we must understand. There is hope for the sinner. The Lord wants to wash us clean and it is possible. It is a work of a lifetime. Have that in mind. But do not give up. It is possible. We must in our own selves not give up and present to people a savior that is ready to deliver from sin. A savior that will cleanse from all iniquity. Not one who wants to condemn, but one who loves. Like Ezekiel said about God, he said, I, I do not delight in the death of the wicked, but that he should turn from his wickedness and leave. Turn ye, turn ye, O house of Israel, for why will you die? This is the Savior we need to present. In conclusion, our devotion told us in the book Conflict and Courage, page 235, paragraph 4 and 5 says, The heart of infinite love yearns after those who feel powerless to free themselves from the snares of Satan, and he graciously offers to strengthen them to live for him. Fear thou not, he bids them, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Have you, reader, you who are listening now, chosen your own way? Have you wandered from God is a question to you now. Have you sought to feast upon the fruits of transgression, only to find them turn to ashes upon your lips? The call is to us today. Return to your father's house. He invites you, saying, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, 
thank you for the words that you gave to us from your prophet Isaiah to comfort our souls. I remember your word that says to us, comfort ye, comfort you, speak you comfortably to Jerusalem, speak you comfortably and cry unto them that their warfare is accomplished. O Lord, we pray that our warfare against sin will be accomplished and that we shall be comforted knowing that you sympathize with us and you are compassionate and that you want to help us make us instruments also by which your compassion shall be revealed to others in the earth thank you for hearing and answering our prayers in jesus name i've prayed amen for sin that made my savior bleed i hang my head in shame yet for the cleansing that i need that precious blood i claim the stripes by which my savior bled bring healing this Wash my